0: Transform into gigantic, futuristic super robots. There can only be one possible explanation. You're watching a movie, dude. But in the real world, transformation is possible. Over the planet, lives are being changed, hearts are being reborn, addictions are being broken, and people are being set free by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, or the obstacles you may be facing. Transformation is possible. That's what we're all about is transformation. If life change doesn't happen, then we're actually wasting time on Sunday mornings. We shouldn't have two services if we're not seeing life change because we're not doing what God wants us to do. So we hope that you're getting involved in this whole transformed series and and letting God do some things for you. If you are, if some of you have never been baptized or if you've been far from God and you'd like to be baptized again... Uh, Two weeks from today, November 1st, we're going to have a baptism. we got two folks in the early service who said they wanted to be baptized. If you're interested in that, hang around after church today. You can put it on your card that you want to be baptized, but talk to me for just a few minutes. I need five minutes of your time. Explain what baptism is and how we do that around here. And uh, if if it happens in the early service, we'll film it, and we'll show you in the second service, or vice versa. We'll show it to them the next week in the early service. Uh, So I've got a picture here, and I want to know what this picture is. Stress ball, y'all are good. You're about two seconds slower than the early service, though, so i got to give them credit. Uh, they, they read it immediately. I put the word on there because I really wasn't sure some of you would figure out. That was a stress ball. Why do you need a stress ball? To relieve stress. Anybody here stressed? Now, does squeezing that stress ball, does that just magically make the stress disappear? Do you ever want to take the stress ball and throw it as hard as you can to face of the person who's causing you stress? It's never happened to me. Never, never, never wanted to do that. Yes, everybody wants to do that because we have stress in our lives. We spend an, an inordinate amount of time and energy and money trying to relieve stress in our lives. Now, stress at its core is just... Um, a threat, either real or perceived. Whenever your body feels threatened by something, your blood pressure goes up, your pulse quickens, and you get a a shot of adrenaline, you know, the fight or flight type thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, stress is good. If you're standing out here in the middle of 155 and and an 18-wheeler is moving 70 miles an hour and you're in the middle of the road, the stress should go up in your body and it should say, move, idiot. Right? Because we want you to be safe. We at least want you to know Jesus before you're plowed over by that truck. So, in that situation, your stress in, uh, inducers are a good thing the problem though happens when we're under ch- chronic stress and our body never gets a relief from that We were never designed by God to be under chronic stress and We're going to talk about today Um, How to deal with stress so if you're tired if you're stressed out if you're cranky if you're you know just irritable You picked a great day to come to church. We're so glad that you're here Now i'm going to fly through seven things that are usually the causes of stress And then we're going to look at psalm 23 Which actually gives you the antidotes to every one of these and if you you want to jot these down you can If not i'll remind you as we get to the stress reducers in psalm chapter 23. So let's fly through these The first one is worry There is more to worry about in our day in 2015 than there ever has been before, right? Uh, Nobody worried about identity theft 20 years ago. Nobody worried about losing their cell phone 20 years ago because if you had a cell phone 20 years ago, it was the size of a carry-on bag today. The bag phones, I had one of those. It was a weapon if you could pick it up. Nobody worried about cyber bullying uh, 20 years ago because there wasn't a cyber Nobody worried about their pastor getting arrested on his way to Haiti because he had a handgun trying to go and because there weren't concealed handgun licenses so the pastor wouldn't be carrying one. So I don't know why. I don't know what the big deal was. We worry about a lot more, right? There's a lot more to be worried about. Second is hurry. Our world is going faster and faster. Speed creates stress. Do you realize this? That, that when you're moving fast, you're a punk to the people around you. You're skimming in your relationships, you're skimming in your job. When you're moving too fast, you're not noticing details, and love is all about the details, right? So if you're running through town, let's say we all go and run as fast as we can through downtown, it won't take long, but you won't see as much as if somebody just takes a leisurely stroll through downtown, right? So hurry is increasing stress in our lives. Third one is what I'm calling crowds and concrete. Crowds and concrete. As the world gets more crowded, people become more stressed. They become more irritable. Do you know the very simple, oversimplified reason why people in East Texas are nicer than people in New York City? The oversimplified answer is less crowds and less concrete, right? People in New York City are stressed out because you gotta walk everywhere, you gotta get there in a hurry, and there's too many people around. When we went there for for Rachel's graduation, my girls were like, Daddy, we love Texas. Can we go home? And actually, Hannah was saying, can we go back to our country? Because it is a different country. I'm sorry. You may be Yankees, and we're glad you made it to Texas. This is God's country. Crowds of concrete cause stress. Fourth, I'm talking about, I'm going to call this too many choices. Actually, too many choices paralyzes you. It creates stress because you don't know which one to make. I I don't know about you. The very first time I went to Bennigan's, years ago, they had a a menu that was as thick as the Dallas-Fort Worth White Pages was. And I'm like, dude, how do I choose? There's too much. When you go to pick out toothpaste, there used to be two brands. Now there's 60. There's whitening. There's non-whitening. There's breath freshener. Why would you not have breath freshener in your toothpaste? I just don't understand that. You can have those little flavor crystals or the cleaning crystals, you know. How do you make a choice when there's so many? Number five, stress inducer, I'm calling loss. When you lose your keys, you're stressed, right? Because you usually lose your keys when you're in a hurry, all right? Then you're worried, right? So we're just, we're just piling them all up, three strikes. When you lose your job, does that create stress? When you lose your marriage, does that create stress? When you lose a loved one, does that create stress? I don't mean you lose your spouse like in the mall. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about... Loss to death or divorce. Does that cause stress? Yes, it does. Number six, I'm talking about conflict. A hundred years ago, it was safe to assume that that your neighbors, that all Americans had similar values. Do all Americans have similar values today? No, and that causes stress. There's going to be conflict because Christianity... Excludes every other religion. I don't know if you know that. Jesus Christ was very, very narrow minded because he said, I'm the, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And when we say that, people don't like that because that means their religion is leading to hell. Jesus, I'm quoting the founder of Christianity, that, that causes conflict. And if they believe their religious beliefs, that causes conflict with me because I think they're wrong. And I think there's evidence to back up Christianity. Christianity is a thinking man's religion, but it's going to cause conflict because of too many different beliefs. Number seven is the fear of the future. Nobody ever fears that, right? None of you ever do the what if game. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens happens? and it's just catastrophic? None of y'all does that, right? What I'm learning in small groups and with my friends is that women are experts at the what if game. Janie has about 8,000 scenarios and what she's going to do in each one of them. And I'm like, dude, what's for lunch? You know, that's my biggest decision of the day. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm hungry today. Well, the antidotes to all of these are in Psalm 23. So let's read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And really, you could stop there. If you believe those two sentences, you wouldn't have stress in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. If you just believe that, you'd be all right. Verse 2 says, he lets, and really it's a better translation, he makes me lie down. He makes me rest in green meadows... He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, and, and most of you have heard the 23rd Psalm and you hear this part, whether it's at funerals or wherever, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, death is a very dark shadow. In fact, it's one of the greatest um, problems that we face as humans. Jesus Christ came to take care of that problem, to make a way for humans to get to heaven. You have to make a choice to follow him. If you don't choose to follow him, it should create stress because you're going to hell. The greatest valley that I know of, the darkest valley, is the valley of the shadow of death. I don't like death. I've seen it a lot. I've I've preached a lot of funerals. I don't like death. But I know a Savior. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm is actually a model for stress management. How many of you need to reduce stress in your lives? Really? That's it? How many of you need to reduce stress? All right, there's a few more. But if you don't even know you got stressed, your, your, your spouse or whoever's next to you, are going to take notes and they're going to tell you about it next time you stress out. Now, how many of you would like to be healthier, physically healthier? We're talking about physical health this whole week. In, in, your, in your daily devotionals, it's going to be about physical health, how you, can, how you can get healthier. Look what Scripture says. Last week was spiritual health. This is physical health. This is Proverbs 14.30. Peace of mind means a healthy body. See, when, when you tell me that you've had a loss or you have some stress in your life, I always pray that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I need a peace that's not of this world because this world will mess you up, right? So we need to figure out how to reduce stress and change it for peace of mind. Well, that's what we're going to look at today, ways to reduce your stress. Now, this first one has to do with worry, and if, you're ta- if you want to jot that down, if you're a worrier, this one's for you. Number one is look to God to meet all my needs. Look to God to meet all my needs. That sounds simple, but here's the thing. You need to stop putting your security in things you can lose. Let me say that again because you're not, you're not, you're not paying attention. Don't put your security in things you can lose. Can you lose your job? Yes, then it's stupid to put your security in your job. Can you lose your marriage? Yes, you shouldn't, but you can. So it's dumb to put your security in your marriage. My wife was not designed to be the number one place in my life. God was. If I put Janie up there, she's an idol. If I worship her, I'm going to be disappointed because she's human. If she worships me, she's going to be disappointed because I'm human. Stop putting your security in things that you can lose. You can lose a job. You can lose money, right? Oh, yeah. If you want to reduce stress, stop putting your your trust, your faith in things that can be taken away from you. You can lose a job, health, reputation, spouse. You can even lose your mind. Some of you have. We could give a testimony. But you cannot lose your relationship with Christ if you have one. This is the cool thing. You cannot lose your relationship with Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Look how. Paul says it in Romans 8, 32. Since he, God, did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything else? If God loved you enough to take care of the, the, the darkest valley, the, the valley of the shadow of death, if he sent his own son his most prized possession to, to die on a cross to pay for s- your sins because you couldn't pay for your own sins because he desperately wanted you to be in heaven and he wanted to make a way for you to get to heaven, if God gave up his most prized pos- possession for you to take care of your number one issue, do you think he cares about the other issues of your life? Yes! That was not a rhetorical question. People will let you down. There's no one who could possibly meet all your physical and spiritual and mental and relational and emotional needs. No one can meet all of those needs. And so David says, I'm not going to trust people. I'm going to put my trust in God. The first step to reducing your stress is to worship. It's why, as your pastor, I want you to be in regular worship every week. If you're out of town, find a church and go there. If you're in town, find a way to come to church. We now have two services to give you options. You need to be worshiping, and it's not the same to worship in your car. Yes, if you, if you can't be here, we'll give you a CD. It'll have the songs and the sermons on it. But you need to be in worship. You need to put God number one, and that will help reduce your stress. And any time you feel that you're stressed out, You need to refocus on God because you're not seeing him. So you need to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Say that out loud. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Say it again. Say it again. When you're stressed, you need to say those two sentences until you believe them. Until the RPMs of your heart and your mind slow down and you realize, I've already got everything I need. God cares about me. He sent his son. I have everything I need. You say it over and over until you believe it. Second, stress reducer has to do with hurry. If you're a hurrier, this one's for you. Obey God's instructions about rest. Man, there was a lot of moaning and growing and elbows flying in the first service on this one. So much of the stress in your life comes because you're overworked, because you're in a hurry. You've got so much to do. You can never get caught up. Every day I have about 100 or actually over 100 emails that come to my my email address, and and I don't even look at 90% of them. I go check, 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 delete, check, 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 delete. Now, some of you, I always look to see if it's from some of y'all, so don't be offended. The preacher doesn't even read my email. But, you know, if you send me a forward, I'm not reading that. I don't have time for your forwards. And actually, I don't have time to read most of what you put on Facebook. If you put pictures on Facebook, but if you put memes and all that stuff, I don't have time for that stuff. If you put videos every once in a while I watch it, I just don't have time, and I don't feel guilty scrolling right past you. Don't feel guilty at all, because I don't have time to please everyone. I've got time to please one person, His name is God. when I please him, everything in my life, all the stress is reduced. The Bible says that when God finished all of creation, on the seventh day, God rested. Well, God doesn't get tired, so why' he rest? He rested to model for you and me the need for rest. Every seventh day you need rest. It's so important that God put it in his top 10. Right up there with don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't lie, is you need to take every seventh day off for rest, for a Sabbath. Psalm 23, 2, the, the literal translation is, he makes me lie down. Does God ever have to make you lie down? Uh, by the way, I forgot to put the picture up there. Travis, that picture down there in the first picture thing. We We don't... I thought it was sheep. Somebody said they're goats. I don't know. I don't care. But I guess it does matter in the kingdom of God because sheep are good in the kingdom of God. Goats are bad. Goats are going to hell. Sheep, sheep are going to heaven. That's what Jesus says. He tells this whole story. So somebody has got to be smarter than me needs to, needs to tell me whether these are sheep or goats. But regardless, they're goats. They're both well, so it's like a church then. Jesus says, at the end of time, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. And, and no offense, but Jesus said there's both in the church. So thank you, Lord, for the illustration. Woo! Praise you, God. I shouldn't stress over illustrations. He'll just make them show up out of nothing. Sheep aren't smart enough to lie down on their own when they're tired, so the shepherd has to make them lie down. If you're not smart enough to lie down when you're tired, if you're not smart enough to get rest, your body will eventually make sure you do it because God wired you. In such a way that if you don't take time off, your body will make time off. Can anybody give a testimony? Anyone? Yeah. You keep going at a breakneck pace, you will get sick because God designed you to obey all of his commands. I want you to write this down. My best requires rest. My best requires rest. You're not wasting time when you're relaxing. You're not wasting time when you're resting. When God was speaking to his chosen people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, in in Exodus 34, 21, he says this. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day you must stop working, even during the seasons of plowing and harvest. Do you think the seasons of plowing and harvest are a busy time? God says it doesn't matter how busy you are. That's no excuse. You need rest. You need to have a Sabbath day. What am I supposed to do on my Sabbath? Well, first, you're supposed to rest your body. This is a biblical admonition to take a nap on Sunday afternoons. Just don't take a nap in here, right? We smack you in the name of Jesus. Number two, you refocus your spirit. How do you do that? You worship. It's what we're doing here together. Whenever we come together, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, So if Jesus is lifted up, he said, I will draw all men to myself. So when we come together, we're cheering for Jesus, we're singing for Jesus. There is an atmosphere of electricity when we worship God, because he said where two or three are gathered, he'll be in their midst. And when we lift him up, he'll draw men to himself. That's what needs to happen in worship. You're refocusing your spirit. And then third, you recharge your emotions. This happens when when you have a Sabbath day. And you do that through recreation. And don't you dare tell me that when you go fishing that you are worshiping God. You're recreating, which is something different than worshiping. Unless you're worshiping the fish, in which case you're a complete idiot because that fish is going to let you down because his brain is about this big. You understand what I'm saying? Recreation... Recharges my emotions worship recharges my soul, which is something deeper And everybody has a different way to be recharged. Yesterday was free dump day in palestine. How many of you took uh, advantage of that? My wife Me and my wife. Okay, we we had a few see Janie loves working in the yard. Janie loves cleaning up the yard. I think the yard ought to clean up itself. I mean It's biodegradable it's eventually just going to disintegrate. I don't think you should ever clean your yard. So yesterday on my Sabbath, I cleaned the yard. Because it means something to my wife. And I'll admit it was better, you know. She piles stuff up. She loves it. It's free dump day. She talks about it for weeks. It's free dump day. Piles stuff up and gets up. Are you ready? Are you ready? I mean, it's, so we go and we load up the trailer. And, of course, all my children went to Tyler. That was convenient. And so we go to free dump day, and it was the worst experience of my life because we sat in one spot for an hour going, What could possibly be taking these people so long? Anyway, it was great. It was great. Different things recharge different people. So you need to figure out what recharges you. You need to do that because it recharges your emotions. I love fishing. I love hunting. I got to sit in my, my deer stand at uh, my deer lease, saw a doe come up, and, and she was too skinny. But, man, I was just, I watched, I watched her for an hour and ten minutes. It was awesome to be in nature. I wasn't going to shoot her because she's skinny. And, and actually, there was branches in the way, and I would had to shoot left-handed. But, anyway, I digress. When you study Jesus' ministry, you find out that Jesus often took time off to relax He'd go out and pour himself into this intense season of ministry. And then he would say to the guys, guys, we need to come apart for a while. They'd go to the desert. They'd go to the mountain. And Jesus has incredible wisdom in this because Jesus knows if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. Right? So you need time for rest. Jesus didn't feel guilty about it. We shouldn't either. I heard about a guy who said to his pastor, I tried to get a hold of you all day on Monday, and the pastor said, well, I'm sorry. Well, that's my day off. And the the church member says, well, the devil doesn't take a day off. And the pastor says, well, if I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like the devil. And see, really, that's why some of y'all are so mean. You're tired. You're stressed. You're a punk. And nobody wants to be around you. And you think it's everybody else's problem? But there's a common denominator in, in all of those relationships where people are avoiding you. It's you. Come away and allow your Savior to recharge your soul. You'll be a much nicer person to be around. Quit acting like the devil. He's not your, he's not your goal. He's not your, your model. Oh, I'm busy. Well, you're like the devil. Let's stop it. Third thing, stress reducer. It has to do with crowds and concrete. Recharge my soul with beauty. I love this one. Beauty is incredibly important in stress reduction. Ugliness stresses you out. Beauty inspires. Beauty encourages. It motivates. Um, Somebody tell me what this first picture is. New York City. There's a whole lot of concrete, and if you could see the little ants in between those buildings, you see they'd, they'd be everywhere, people. There's crowds and there's concrete. Somebody tell me what this is. That is not Times Square. That is Central Park. Central Park is awesome. We went uh, for Rachel's graduation. She wanted to go to, to New York, and so we went and we rode the subways, and subways are an interesting thing. There, was, there were times when we'd be so crowded. There's actually a picture we have where we're all holding a pole, and we're doing this, and we're bouncing into each other, and then you're bouncing into people you don't even know, and that's why they're upset because they, you're bouncing into people, and they stink, and, and some of them have, have bad breath. They had not brushed teeth. And I understand why they get all upset and stressed out in New York, but they have this. We went and tried to walk it, and we didn't know how big it was. We walked for several hours, made it through one-third of the park. And then we got in a lake. We got in a boat and, and paddled around this lake. And it was the coolest thing because you couldn't hear the cars. You couldn't hear the sirens, and they're all over the place. You couldn't hear people yelling and screaming. couldn't hear horns honking. It was Whoever did this was brilliant. And there are New Yorkers everywhere. And the nicest people in New York are in Central Park. Because it's beautiful. And you look around and you go, man, I don't think we were supposed to be in concrete. I don't think God made us for skyscrapers. Have you ever heard somebody say, I feel close to God in nature? Of course you do. He created it. He could have made the earth look like the moon, which is kind of cool from a distance, but you get up close and it's dirt and craters. Right? He made a beautiful place. When God created us, he put us in this beautiful garden. We were never designed to be in concrete. So you need to get outside from time to time. Psalm 23, 2 and 3 says, He makes me lie down where in lush green meadows. Kind of sounds like a golf course, doesn't it, Joe? Joe likes to play golf. That's what refreshes his spirit or his emotions. He leads me beside peaceful streams, which again, sounds like a golf course because you've got some water hazards that are pretty cool, you know. Unless you're in the water hazard, then I guess that creates stress. He restores my soul. Now, I want to show you a couple of pictures. Janie and I got to go on a cruise a few weeks ago, and we're in the middle of the Caribbean, and all of a sudden these mountains just pop out of the sea, and then we go visit them on this big ship. And, and the water is just gorgeous. And so we're taking pictures, and, and this is St. Lucia. And we actually, in St. Lucia, we, we were tired of going to beaches because we'd been to beaches like five or six days in a row. So we just went and sat at this restaurant overlooking. It was just gorgeous. And God refreshed our souls as we just sat out there, took in nature. Now, when I say think about lush green meadows and I say a lake, does that bring about a calm? Yeah, woe is right. That calms you down when you think about green meadows and a calm lake. Now, this is one of my happy places, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because then you'll go there and it'll be crowded and I'll be stressed out. And I'll throw a stress ball at your head. One night, Rachel and I had been fishing, and and we just we said, "Man, that is just beautiful. I love calm waters. Something about just glass. I love going over Lake Palestine when it's just glass. Have y'all ever seen it? I love being on the water when it's just glass. It, it just something about just looking at it, being on it, just restores my soul. Hmm, sounds like scripture. So, the opposite of that is when I say, "Think about Houston traffic." Does that cause you just to have peace in your heart? Does that cause you to cuss? We've got to, here, here's what you need to do. If, if, if you're stressed out, this one is get outside every day, get in touch with nature, even if it's just walking around the block. You were not designed by God to, to live inside all the time. Start your day with God, not the media. Not social media, not, not the news. The first seven minutes of your day set the tone for your day and will either increase your stress or give you peace. Turn on worship music. Turn on, on some praise music so that you can focus your mind on God. That will drastic, drastically remove, reduce your stress. Philippians 4 8, Paul says this. This is the message translation. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. That's not usually what you're hearing on the news, right? None of those things. He says, Fill your mind with the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Because whatever you give your attention to will either increase your stress or increase your peace. Your choice. Fourth stress reducer too many choices. So the answer to that is go to God for guidance common source of stress in your life is indecision. Some of you are at a fork in the road and you're going crazy. You're stressed out because you don't know which way to to go. So make God the number one source for your guidance, not the opinions of your friends, not some pundit you hear on the radio or on TV. And let me just say this. I'm amazed at how many people in this church, not even talking about other churches, how many people in this church, when they have a major decision in their life, they don't talk to Christians that they admire their walk with Christ. They talk to non-Christians. And I'm going, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because they can't possibly have the mind of christ they can't point you towards jesus which is where you need to go and then i'm also amazed that that people in this church will talk to christians in this church and christians will tell them to do something that contradicts the word of god and i go oh dear jesus don't do that because you are opposing god and you're leading people away from god how how dare you give someone advice that's contrary to scripture you do not have that right you do not have that authority and God forbid that you should do it because God will hold you accountable for every careless word that you speak. I'm stepping off my high horse. James 1, five says this. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. I'm always amazed. People will call my, my wife or my kids and they're like, hey, what's the church going to do about this? And they're like, we're not the pastor. Why don't you call him? Well, I don't want to bother them. They intentionally don't know what's going on. So it was really a big deal when I got arrested and Janie became the leader of the group because she didn't know. She didn't know the hotel we were going to. She didn't know any of that stuff. Anyway, another day. She did great. Yeah, Oh, I knew she could handle it. What's funny is driving up, the girls had said, we intentionally don't want to know what's going on because people drive us crazy asking us details and we say, ask Dad. And so I said, well, Janie, you could handle it. You could be the leader of this group. She goes, no, I can't. I'm not going to be the leader. And then a couple hours later, she's the leader of the group. <laughs> Ask him and he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. And a lot of you will say, I have asked, and this came up in my small group. My small group meets in here on Sunday nights, and and I was sitting down here, and this came up. Somebody said, oh, we're great at asking. What I'm not good at is waiting. What I'm not good at is listening. And everybody was like nodding their heads, kind of like people are doing right now. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. If you're going to ask God, you need to wait for his answer, because God is never in a hurry. His timing is perfect. God, um, if you have to make a decision next year, God's not going to tell you all the details of the decision today because he wants you to trust him every day between now and then. Go read the story of how God gave them manna in the wilderness. He gave them just enough manna for each day because he wanted them to come back and trust him again the next day. It's the same way with God giving you wisdom. He gives you enough wisdom for the day. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just, Just plan on one day. Take one day at a time and God will give you guidance. Now, here's what it says. In Psalm 23.3, he says, He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Not honor to Doug's name, not honor to Joe's name, not honor to Casey's name. God doesn't give you direction so that you get the glory. God will never share his glory with you. Read scripture. The reason Moses didn't get to go into the promised land is because he tried to take God's glory. God will not share his glory with you. He'll give you guidance for his name's sake, not for yours. Number five is Loss. This has to deal with loss. Trust God in the dark valleys. Now, we said this before, losing someone causes stress. You can lose your job, you can lose your income, you can lose your money, you can lose your health, you can lose your reputation, you can lose a loved one, and all those things cause stress. And when you lose something, when you go through a loss, there's two common ways to respond. One is grief. One is fear. Grief is good. Fear is bad. Grief is a godly emotion. Did you know that God grieves it's a godly emotion. In fact, if you don't grieve, you get stuck. Some of you have had a major loss in your life and you are stuck emotionally at that and you will never get over that. You will never grow emotionally or spiritually or any other way until you go back and grieve that loss. You're stuck, whether it happened at 16 or 30 or 65, you get stuck when you don't grieve. Grief won't kill you if you let it out. Grief is good for you and it'll help you grow up. Not once in the Bible does it say, grieve not, weep not, weep not not once. You know what it says 365 times in the Bible? Fear not. One for every day of the year. Fear paralyzes you. Verse 4, Psalm 23, he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. You're rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Shepherds carried a rod and a staff so that they could protect the sheep from wild animals, but also if they fell off a cliff so that they could pull them back on and, and get them where they needed to be. David says, I'm not going to stress out because God is protecting me, providing for me, guiding me. I'm going to trust God, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Some of you today are going through the valley of the shadow. It may be the valley of the shadow of death. It may be the valley of the shadow of debt. It may be the uh, valley of the shadow of depression. It may be the valley of the shadow of conflict, I don't know what you're going through, discouragement, but you're going through the valley of the shadow. And you remember when you were a kid, did you ever get scared of shadows when you were a kid? You get scared of dark places? I used to have to go out and and tell my dad it was time to to come to bed. I hated it because there was this big black hole where our our, uh, patio was. And we had a light switch. I don't know why I didn't ever turn on. I wasn't that smart. But mom would say, go tell your dad it's time to come in. And so I would I would run out the back door and I would run as fast as I could. I'd leave the door open. I'd push the, the little screen door, it would go flying out there, and it was a sliding garage door, and I would slide the door open, I'd run in, and I'd slide it shut, and I'd say, Dad, it's time for time for bed. He'd say, Okay, I'll be there. I always wanted him to walk with me. And he'd say, Go on in. I'd like throw open the door and I'd run back and because there was something in that, in that dark hole that was going to grab me. Did y'all ever, when I was, I had a room to myself from six years on older, and, and I used to get up on the end of my bed and jump toward the bathroom because I thought something was under my bed and would grab me. Man, and I, I'd have to go to the bathroom every night. And I would jump through the air. Shadows scare us, but we learn when we grow up. We learn that, that, that the shadows aren't as big as they seem, right? right? I mean, we, we learned that shadows can't hurt you. If a truck comes down here and hits you, it hurts you. If the shadow of the truck goes, it goes over you, does that hurt you? No. Shadows can't hurt me. That's one of the things we learned. We also learned, though, that wherever there's a shadow, there has to be a light causing that shadow. So if you're going through the valley of the shadow of whatever, don't concentrate on the shadow. Concentrate on the light, because you know what Jesus said he was? I'm the light of the world. The way you make through dark valleys is to focus on the light. Seems easy, we just don't do it. Number six has to do with conflict. This is let God be my defender. There are people in your life that don't like you. I know that's news to you. You didn't realize that. There are some people that don't like you. It could be in your family, it could be at your job. They criticize you out of jealousy or fear. They won't let you enjoy anything. If you have success, they minimize it. If you fail, they maximize it, right? When that happens, what do you want to do? You want to get them back. You want to retaliate. When you do that, all you're doing is showing that you're just as small as they are. Little people, belittle people. Great people make people feel great. When you criticize someone, all you're doing is showing that you, the, the smallness of your heart. David knows about this. This is what's really cool. David was anointed by God's prophet to be the next king of Israel. He was anointed when he was a, a boy. Nobody knew about it except David and his family. And then he spent literally the next several years, maybe a decade or more, running from his life from the first king who wanted to kill him. Twice Saul tried to pin him against the wall to kill him with a spear. David is literally hiding in caves, literally running for his life. One time he even had the opportunity 2 actually twice, Saul was asleep. David was right there and his men said, kill him. And David said, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. He refused to retaliate, and God was making David a man after his own heart because that's the kind of king he needed to be next. David, that David says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. David's saying, God is so good to me that he's going to make me the head person at the banquet, and the people in the audience are going to be my enemies. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He says, I'm going to anoint your head with oil is what God says. And that means I've chosen this dude back off. He's my leader. Do not raise your hand. Do not raise your voice against God's anointed. God's saying, this is my guy. He's going to be the leader. He says, my cup overflows. God, you just keep blessing me and bless me. So I'm going to let you be my defender. And you know who that's like when David did that? You know who that was like? It was a foreshadowing of somebody coming later. It's like Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was attacked ruthlessly by the religious leaders. Ordinary folks loved him prostitutes pimps tax collectors thieves the poor the lepers outcasts they loved jesus it was the religious people who couldn't stand him they called him a glutton a drunk they called him the son of the devil they called him a false leader a false prophet they even called him the devil himself and jesus never once retaliated even when the sadducees and the pharisees made him a prisoner took him to pontius pilate they said this dude wants to overthrow rome he's trying to take your job it was all lies and pilate looks at jesus and said is that true Look what Mark 15, 5 says. But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. Everybody's surprised when you keep your mouth shut. They expect you to come back. When you don't, people are shocked and you're like your Savior. He wouldn't even dignify the accusation with a response. And you're like Christ when you do that. Here's a little known secret. When people criticize you, when they criticize you falsely, They're actually doing you a favor. They think it's harming you, but it's actually doing you a favor because look what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Jesus says this, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of, all sorts of evil against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. That's hard to do. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. God notices when you're persecuted wrongly. And then he says, you're not the first person to be belittled by little people. You won't be the last, but God notices. So let Him defend you. And the last one's fear. If you're, you're one of the what if people, what ifers have a lot of unnecessary stress in their lives, so expect God to finish what He starts in me. Psalm 23 6 says, Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When a shepherd has a flock, sh- uh, sheep have to be led, they can't be driven. So the the leader, the shepherd, is leading, and he calls them, and the sheep know his voice, and they follow him. But he has a couple of sheepdog at the back to just kind of keep them in line, you know, keep them moving towards the leader. The sheepdogs in your life are goodness and unfailing love. The scripture says, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads me to repentance. When I'm out of line, it is not God's wrath that causes me to come back. It's his kindness. It's his goodness. It's his unfailing love. It's like a sheepdog trying to get me back where I need to be. And it overwhelms me with God's goodness. So, you can, you can look at your future one of two ways. You can say, what if? What if my spouse leaves? What if I lose my job? What if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Or you can grow up and look to God and say, even if the worst scenario happens, Surely, goodness and unfailing love, God's sheepdogs are pursuing me. And you know what? Even if the worst thing happens in this life, I get to go to heaven. My parents two years ago were killed in a car wreck. Do you think they care? They're in heaven. Do you think they care about the car wreck today? I think they're going, wish y'all would hurry up and come up here. You're wasting time. Come, come be what God designed for you. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me. But, but I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let that comfort you. And, and go back to the first line. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So here's what I want you to do. Remember, God finishes what he started. I want you to take your registration card, and on the back, I want you to write down which stresses you out. You may have multiples. So it was worry, hurry, crowds and concrete, too many choices, loss, conflict, and fear. Worry, hurry, crowds and concrete, too many choices, loss, conflict, or fear. Then I want you to write down which verses from Psalm 23 apply to your area where you need to reduce stress.